You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, gang. We are back and better than last week, we hope. We are going to start you out right away with our guest. Let's go. Joining us now, number 15, safety from University of Louisiana, Monroe, home of the Warhawks, Austin Hawley. Austin, how you doing today? What's good, man? I'm doing good. Good. Ready for fall camp? Still feel like I need to put in a little bit more work, but yeah, I'll be ready when it gets here. All right, you got a few more days, right? Just right. wanted to start off position-wise. I mean, obviously, you play safety. You watch what's happening uh, in the NFL and in college. Right. seems like the position has morphed a little bit. You're playing nickel yeah. corner. You're playing nickel linebacker. You're coming off the edge blitzing. Not that any of those things are different than in the past, but I think it just seems like it's it's happening a lot more. What do you like about this evolution? To put it simple, I mean, it's just it's, it's a funner position to play now, you know what I'm saying, because you, you're doing a lot more. You're getting to make a lot more, you know what I'm saying, different types of plays and things like that. So, whereas traditionally you'd be like a, just a run stopper or just a, a middle deep guy. But, you know what I'm saying, we get the blitz, we get the, we get interceptions, we get sacks, you know what I'm saying, you get good big hits. So it's like you really get to feel everything that a, that a defensive player gets to feel, you know what I mean? So when you see Jamal Adams, Tyron Matthew, guys like that playing in the NFL, what what kind of thoughts conjure up in your mind? I mean, those are two of my favorite players right there. So all I think about is, you know, saying, can I do that? Can I make that type of play? You know what I'm saying? I'm picturing me trying to make the plays they make. So the skill set that you have, which skills do you see that kind of compare to those guys? I mean, I think to play safety, you have to be able to run, which I think I can run really well. I think I got a, uh, some decent size. I think I got good ball skills. I, I have some instincts on just, you know what I'm saying, getting to where the ball is. As a safety, that's important. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think I just got everything a safety needs, you know what I'm saying. I only thing I would ask for is a little bit more size. That's the only thing I'd ask for. Take us into your thought process out there. Before the ball is snapped, what are the tendencies that you're looking for from the offense? First thing is just the formation, you know what I'm saying. You can figure out what they probably will do, what they probably won't do, just based on how they line up. And then if, if a certain team or a player has any kind of tendencies that they do pre-snap that gives anything away, then I'm looking for those. But after all that's said and done and I, I kind of know what's coming and what to expect, then I'm just looking at my run pass reads and the things that, that my coach told me to look at that week, you know what I'm saying, just trying to keep my eyes in the right spot. We're going to go a, a little bit down memory lane here, Austin. Uh, what's your first recollection of playing football? First little league coach ever. He just came to my house. I don't know how he got worried about me or anything, but he just asked my dad if I wanted to play. I signed up, and, and I remember the first practice, we was just out there in a, in a grass field beside the school, just rolling around and tackling and stuff. And I was like, bro, this is fun. Like, I, I've always watched it, and I've seen that. It looks fun, but then when I finally got there and got to playing it, I was like, bro, this is this is really for me. It's just something fun, something I really enjoy to do. And how old were you? I might have been too young to be playing tackle football, honestly. I think I got signed <laughs> up early. <laughs> I can't remember, but it was pretty young, man. I would say like elementary school or maybe younger than that even. 
Was that the first sport you played? I mean, was football the first organized sport that you played? Actually, I played t-ball starting out. I thought I was going to be a baseball star, but as I got older, that got more boring because the game was just a lot slower, so I just had to transition to something else. So you got recruited real young, right? Guy came to your house. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To the football world, yeah. So Gladewater, Texas High School, the Bears. What are some of the memories, the more vivid memories that you have from uh, your high school football? I mean, obviously playing with the guys that you've known your whole life is just different. You know what I'm saying? It's a different feel. You, your boys that you grow up with, all your cousins and kinfolks and stuff. I mean, I don't know. I just remember, like, competing with my brothers, you know what I'm saying, that, that's been my day ones, and it was just – those are just the best memories, just being around the guys that you just known forever and then playing an uh, organized sport and everybody's got the same goal. I don't know. Those are just some of the best memories for me. Austin, I read that you, you lost your parents when you were very young. How did that mold you as a man? Uh, I mean, my mental maybe. Uh, that would be the best thing. I had to go – a little bit faster, obviously, because of that, which has its downsides. But I think it, it matured me a little bit. I see the positive from it, from how I had to grow mentally. So, you know what I'm saying? I'm grateful for that, if nothing else. Besides the mental aspect, how do you see, you know, having gone through that, how does that kind of make you a better player, leader for your teammates? Everybody has a why. For me, that's my why. I play for trying to carry on the last name, I guess, you know what I'm saying, so to speak, and just let my family live through me. So it just gave me some, you know what I'm saying, some determination about me. It just gave me a, a extra, some extra willpower, I guess, just knowing. I mean, I guess it's supposed to do the opposite of some people, but for me it just encouraged me more to just be the best I can be and just try to take everything that I was taught when I was young, when I did have my parents, and just try to keep continue that on throughout my life. Coming out of high school, who showed interest in you coming out of Texas, and how did you wind up at University of Louisiana of Monroe? Uh, honestly, I, I wasn't really heavy, heavily recruited out of high school. I mean, I think it had a lot to do with my work ethic coming whenever I got to college, you know what I'm saying? I never really had to work that hard in high school, so as a result, I wasn't really highly recruited. But I'm thankful for who was interested in me, which was ULM. ULM was actually one of my biggest schools. Other than that, I had, like, a couple, you know, four or five FCS offers. So ULM was my biggest offer, and I was grateful for it. And I, man, that's how I got here, really. What was it like moving down from Texas to Louisiana initially? I mean, it's pretty much the same. Like I said, the, the humidity is different. But other than that, it's the same pretty much. You know, last year was a very difficult year for the program. You guys didn't win a, a single game. You went 0-10. How did you stay motivated? How did you stay positive through this whole ordeal? Well, I mean, my love for football just kept me in it. My love, my, my desire to play at the next level kept me in it. Uh, my teammates kept me in it. One in particular that I hung around a lot last year was uh, Travion Webster. And he's from Longview, so you know what I'm saying? We kind of come from the same area. So we just kind of pushed each other to just keep going, keep, you know what I'm saying? It's going to pay off, whatever. Whatever else we were taking, you know what I'm saying, we, we were still going to go out there and try to put up some numbers, try to compete, try to win. If you love football, I mean, that's, you know what I'm saying, whether you win or lose, you know what I'm saying, you're playing because you love it. So, like, you know what I'm saying, that's all that was. Austin, what is your biggest accomplishment that you're most proud of on the field? I would say it had a lot to do with last year, just being the best teammate I could be, 
my teammates knowing that I was going to be there for them no matter no matter what how many L's we was going to have to take. Just being a reliable teammate, man, that's one of my biggest accomplishments. All right, ULM is obviously going through some changes. You've got a new coaching staff. Terry Bowden yeah. was hired at the end of December. Yeah. You know, he's been at Auburn. He's been in Akron. He's had success. Mm-hmm. He's won the national championship before back in the 1990s. What was your first impression of him when you first met him? That he was he was a straight shooter. Um, he came in. He was honest about it. He came in with energy. I feel like he wants to win. I feel like he knows how to win. I feel like I can trust him. I mean, he came in. He's not. I mean, it's obvious. He's not looking to rebuild over a couple of years. You know what I'm saying? He's trying to win now. So, like this, this being my last year, I, I gravitated towards that, and I accepted it. And it was it was real easy to buy into a head coach like that. What changes have you noticed that have been for the good? What has he brought to the football program? He's brought some some very energetic, young, hungry coaches. He's come and he's already done. We've already seen a culture shift in a player's mindset, just overall mentality of the team. And I think you can't put a price on that. You know what I mean? What are some of the things about playing in the Sun Belt, Austin, that a lot of fans around the country who don't pay attention to the conference would be surprised or a few things that we wouldn't, we might be shocked by. That's kind of a hard one for me, man. I could, I was thinking about that one the other day and I couldn't, I couldn't come over anything, man. What's your favorite part about playing in the Sun Belt? I feel like every game is, is competitive. You know what I'm saying? There's obviously certain teams who, who's, who's year in and year out just competitive, but in the Sun Belt, it's like, it's like our coach is telling us every game is 50-50, you know what I'm saying? You have to show up every game, no matter who you're playing in this conference or you're going to lose. Who has been the most challenging opponent in this conference and why? I'm going to say, like, App State and UL. And just because they're so, like, they're year in and year out, they're just so good. UL being our, our rivals, obviously, I, I just I can't stand losing to them. So I would say that's been our toughest one just because I, I want those wins so bad. And – They've been getting the best of us the past couple of years. Is it tough when both of those teams love to to pound the rock, to pound the football? Yeah, that's got a lot to do with it, yep. You've got a couple of very interesting non-conference games this year. Uh, It's early in the season, September 18th at home. You play against Jackson State. Obviously, Coach Deion Sanders is there. And then later on in the season, at LSU. First off, why don't you talk about the Jackson State game and kind of what what your thoughts are about going against Coach Sanders? Uh, I was happy to hear it, honestly. You know what I'm saying? He's obviously a big – I'm a huge fan of his just because he is prime. If you love football, you love prime. You love what he's done for the game. I'm just excited to be on the same field and be able to compete against guys that he's trained. You know what I'm saying? I I know they're going to be ready. I know they're going to be ready to play. I know I'm going to get their best game. So I'm just ready to see how we compare, you know what I'm saying? Then November 20th, you're at LSU, you know, Death Valley. Some people refer to it as DBU. What are you looking forward to in that game? Same thing, man. Just competing. Any Sunbelt player would be happy to play and play up and play against those those top teams that the world considers top teams, you know what I mean? I would love to see how I compete against the best, and that's the main thing I'm looking forward to with those big teams. What's the favorite meal that you've kind of grown accustomed to in Louisiana? Have you become a a big seafood guy out there? I love seafood before, but getting here and just getting 
getting some of it where it's really not not so much as where I'm at up here in Monroe. You got to go a little bit a little bit more south to get some of that good good seafood. But yeah, I mean I like seafood before, but I go to Mighty Crab. You there's certain spots around here that you don't really get back in Texas, so I enjoy it. All right, Austin, you want to uh, tell our folks how they can see you on social media and see where they can reach out and see what's going on? Yeah, man, you can find me on my Instagram at Holly Goham. That's H-A-W-L-E-Y and Goham. And then Twitter is real underscore Holly. Great talking to you today, Austin. Good luck this season and in your future. Hopefully we'll talk to you again down the road. Yes, sir. Thank you, guys. Thanks again to Austin Holly, safety of the ULM Warhawks. Now, let's get into some NFL stuff. Uh, we're going to throw our top five defensive players at you. I know this is, we, whenever we throw out lists, uh, I want to preface this again. We don't share notes. It's all done as we speak. Let her rip. These, I think, might match up a little bit, though. I mean, Alex, knowing me the way he does, he may go opposite, but we'll see. Alex, w- w- come on. Let's go. Top five. What do you think? I mean, at times we agree, at times we disagree. I mean, yes, blind, this is a blind draw, I mean, and most of the show usually is, <laughs> and I'm sure our fans would concur, but uh, but anyway, let's do this list. Look, number one, without any question whatsoever, Lou, and you've got the same player on top because you can argue that he is the best football player in the entire NFL and not only the best defensive player, it's Aaron Donald. I mean, you can't, like, go against that. This is a guy that consistently draws, like, double, triple teams, still makes a lot of plays behind the line of scrimmage. He's getting sacks. He's getting, you know, QB hurries. He's getting tackles for loss. Aaron Donald has been a monster ever since he came out of that draft. And you've liked him ever since his college days and what he did at Pitt. I assume you also have Aaron Donald, number one. I do. For those of you long-time listeners going back to the but earlier days of uh, Blitzcast, the That's My Guy segment, two of those guys made my list, and maybe that's just me being a homer, but uh, my other guy is, and I'm going to put in here, and I'll probably get some, some not-so-good feedback, but Khalil Mack. I've always loved him from Buffalo ever since I watched him playing at Ohio State. I mean, he belonged on the field. He's done nothing in the NFL to shy me away from that. His sack numbers might have been down a little bit last year, but just pound for pound, playing defensive end, wherever he plays, just line him up. He'll stop the run. He rushes the passer. Love Khalil Mack. And we do know that in that draft where Jadavian Clowney went number one and Khalil Mack went number four, we know that these should have been reversed. I mean, in that draft, Mack should have been the number one overall pick. And the reason why he wasn't is because he went to the University of Buffalo, because he didn't play in the SEC. But he's just as athletic, maybe not as freaky, but he was a lot more advanced as a pass rusher coming out of college. Productive. Yeah, very Consistently productive. Very productive. And we all know, I mean, the Houston Texans made a mistake. If if they can go back in time, they would reverse it and they would take Khalil Mack, no questions asked in that draft. Yeah, I also have Mack number two, by the way. Look, Mack is one of the best defensive players in the NFL. No questions asked. And he certainly deserves to be on that list. At number three, I've got a Pittsburgh Steeler, Lou. I've got T.J. Watt. 
the younger brother of J.J. Watt, you know, he was not as polished, not as advanced when he was coming out of college because he only had like one great year at Wisconsin before he was drafted. But this guy has continued to work hard, and he has become the next great pass rusher for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they just seem to always know how to, to draft these guys and develop these guys. And, and T.J. Watt is just the best of the best at this point and should be under consideration for Defensive Player of the Year this season. Well, he certainly was last year. And after the first two, I had my next three kind of in a bunch. I guess it depends on what you, know, what you like. There's not a whole lot of separation. And I certainly had T.J. Watt in that group. Uh, another guy, and again, I went against the pass rush. And just because it seems like athletically, production-wise, his leadership, I had to put Jalen Ramsey in this group. I just like what he brings to the table, his toughness, everything he does. For, I mean, just this first year with the Rams, all of a sudden, now again, there were other factors. Obviously, you've got Aaron Donald up front and so forth. But in terms of the back end, he completely solidified that group. And I, I really like Jalen Ramsey in this spot. Well, Jalen Ramsey is the best corner in the NFL. I mean, with all due respect to Tredevious White, with all due respect to Stephon Gilmore, Jalen Ramsey is kind of the epitome of that shutdown corner, a guy who can follow the number one receiver around anywhere he goes, left, right, you know, lining up in the slot. And it's amazing because, I mean, this guy played in the early days in college at, for the Florida Seminoles. This guy played safety. This guy was a great safety. And then all of a sudden, as a junior, he switched to corner. And because of that length, his long arms, his speed, his athleticism, obviously he was he was drafted in the what, top five by the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then, obviously, the Jaguars couldn't handle him any longer and his contract and his ego. And now the Los Angeles Rams are just, you know, they're thankful for him because He's the major reason why they had the, the number one defense last year. I mean, Ramsey was, was on fire. And if Stephon Gilmore can win Defensive Player of the Year, then so can Jalen Ramsey in the future. I'm confident in this. You don't have to be a pass rusher. If a corner won at once, then I think Ramsey could, could follow suit in the next couple of years. We could argue that might have been a New England thing, but you know, all due respect to Stephon Gilmore, obviously he's a great player, but I mean, that East Coast bias, I don't know if a, if a West Coast uh, corner can win it, but you know, it remains to be seen. I mean, he certainly has the talent to do it, and he certainly has the game to do it. Um, How can you say East Coast bias? I mean, Aaron Donald, he's he's been winning Defensive Player of the Year almost every year, and he's no, 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 Los it, Angeles. Yes, in terms of giving it to, it's almost like the award, like the MVP award has become a quarterback award, whereas the defensive play of the year almost seems like it's a pass rusher award, right? So for somebody to sneak in, it's going to have they're going to have to have every advantage in the book, and I think playing in New England, I think factored into that because. Again, I, I, that's just the way I see it. My fifth guy, I have young player, up, you know, still kind of growing, doing his. But Miles Garrett, I mean, as far as the pass rusher, just the strength of that Browns defensive line, I'm just really impressed by what he's done since coming out of Texas. You know, I knew he was going to be a, a good player, but he's every every bit as advertised. Love his game, so I, I put him as number five. It's almost like you're apologizing for it. 
you know, for having no. Miles Garrett in the top five. No. But no, I just had a, like a bunch of guys that I thought, well, there's there are a few other players here that I that I can list, like the honorable mention, if you would. But he certainly, as I kept looking at it and wa- you know watching some more you know clips, I, yeah, Garrett's the guy. I also have Garrett in my top five. So officially, you and I agree on all the five players on this list. I'm shocked a little bit. I'm a little I'm a little shocked. Um, but why wouldn't you? I mean, why wouldn't you have Miles Garrett in the top five? I mean, ever since no, I mean, I don't know. Again, it depends on the flair. You know, some people, you know, we tend to over, maybe overvalue the sacks, as I was saying, like some of the voters. So maybe some of the inside guys get pushed down. Although Aaron Donald, I mean, I don't think you could ever push him down. It doesn't matter where he plays. He's just going to disrupt your game, your game plan, and just, you know, it's just forget it that he's the guy. And I don't know that you could really list these. I mean, injury-wise, you know, guys like Joey Bosa. But, you know, again, he's just, you know, availability is a big part of this. Grady Jarrett is a great inside player, but do you put him in the top five? Bobby Wagner has been an amazing linebacker during his career, but he's kind of, you know, towards the end. Devin White is one. That we might be a little early on this one, but he's got a chance to be one of those guys in the in the next coming years. Chase Young, another guy. Again, just had his rookie year. I don't think you're going to put him in the top five now. But again, another one to look out for. Well, I agree with the last two guys, just because they're young. I mean, Devin White, what he did last year and what he did last year in the playoffs, and he's going to be the catalyst of that Bucks defense for years to come. He's going to replace Levante David. And, yeah, I mean, how can you go wrong with guys like Joey Bosa? Um, Chris Jones has got to be on this somewhere. He's got to be on the honor. I didn't want to be a homer, yeah. But he's yeah. got to be there. I mean, he is he's behind Aaron Donald as far as interior defensive linemen go. And he's got to be on the list. And i got to put him – I'm not saying top five, but he's definitely up there in the top Well, 10. I tell you what, he's going to have a huge opportunity this year. One, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with Frank Clark, the legal issues and so forth, what the uh, legal, the league, and then what the team decides ultimately with, it, with his uh, – problem but again as far as the how that affects impacts Chris Jones is I think bringing in Jaron Reed as well to play inside they've got some other inside players they can use so I think you're going to see Chris Jones lining up outside a lot more this season uh, they just brought Okafor back but that's not going to be a, a big consideration I think that's just a depth move obviously uh, but I think Chris Jones he could I mean he's going to be put in a position to really shine what he does from the inside is amazing if he can kind of match that with lining up at end and and having the same type of disruptiveness he could easily yeah like you said I mean, he could easily you know make this list or be you know real close to the top Well, you mentioned Chase Young, and I'm sure in a couple of years, Chase Young is going to be like a top three defensive player. I mean, you could see it with certain guys. I think Nick Bosa. I mean, if Nick Bosa can stay healthy, he's up there with those guys, and he's just as good as his brother. He's going to put up the sack numbers, and I I think you will see what he's going to be able to do in, in 2021. I also think that it's interesting that we had a safety on, we did an interview with him earlier in the show, and that there are no safeties, even when we're talking about these honorable mention players. You know, we talk about safeties playing a different role now, being able to do different things, that they're not just, 
guys that just stop the run and guys that are just hard hitters. You know, they, they blitz, they, they have to cover, and, you know, they have to play that linebacker role. And it's interesting that you and I don't have any safeties in our, you know, top five, top ten. Well, Austin mentioned, you know, Jamal Adams, Tyron Matthew, and, you know, those are two guys, and there are other safeties as well you can certainly make a case for. Now, Jamal Adams' one is the most interesting because, you know, you talk about, like, sort of like in basketball, like the stat sheet stuffer. I mean, he certainly does that because, you know, he's he's coming on the blitz. He's he's stopping the run. He's he's playing coverage. He's always around the ball. He'd have to be considered, and that's a, that's a true statement that you made, that we completely went away from it, which we probably shouldn't have. And Jamal Adams certainly is one that you would think would be in that conversation. The only thing is, I mean, you've mentioned it, Earlier, you've mentioned it on earlier shows that Jamal Adams plays more of kind of a linebacking type right. of role. Yeah. That he's more near the line of scrimmage, that he's more of an inbox safety. When you put him in coverage, he struggles a bit. He's not great at it, but he's certainly, I would say, average at best. But he does so many other things. I mean, the way he impacts the game off the edge, on blitzes, as a run defender, obviously, he's a hard hitter. In that regard, he's not the all-around player that he's built to be. I would He is average when it comes to his in-pass defense. Well, that's where you're going to take, take advantage of him. I mean, every player is going to have a, some kind of weakness, some, some way to take advantage of them. Uh, I would imagine those top five guys do, too. They're probably very difficult to find, and teams have been scratching their heads since they've come into league to try to figure it out. But, yeah, Adams certainly, yeah, you try to you know make him – be a cover guy, and yeah, that, that's how you're going to beat him. Matthew, I think, you know, sometimes he does drop down and play nickel corner, but I don't know that he's really going to be that, you know, run stuffer, right? So there's going to be some uh, advantage that you can certainly take with him be if he has to come down where that's normally Dirty Dan playing that position, number 49 in your program. Might I as do well want to be a homer, but I don't want to. podcast, the Chiefs, you know, like talking about the Chiefs. I gave you a little leeway. I mean, you kind maybe, of didn't want to mention. Maybe Chris like Trump. once a month. Talk about them every week. Well, as well we should. I mean, this is the time, you know, maybe a few years back we wouldn't have, but I mean, anymore, every list that comes out, you know, who's got, you know, the top five rosters for the next three years, uh, you know, just about just about anything where you're talking about a young team, a team that's going to be there, you know, for the foreseeable future. You've know, got Pat Mahomes, so, yeah, you get my juices flowing now, Alex, come on. The Chiefs will not win the Super Bowl next year. That, that's all I'm saying. Put a seal in it and just seal it up. It's not going to happen, Lou. That's it. Okay, they may not, but they're certainly going to contend for it. I don't think, I mean, barring any crazy injuries, I'm going to knock on wood now, a la John Gruden. Unless there's injuries, they're, they're going to contend. They will be in the playoffs. They'll probably make a deep run into the playoffs. All goes well, they'll get to that game again. You know, the Tom Brady stories, they keep coming out, and then you just start to realize that this guy is just, he's not human, Lou. He is living his best life now. It pains me to say this, but I like this Tom Brady. They've held him somewhere, you know, in the attic or the basement for so long. And I'm talking about Bill Belichick and the Patriots way and that Tom Brady was just one of the guys and he wasn't able to, you know, speak 
what he wanted to express himself. I mean, when he went to the Bucks, he was he was able to basically unleash himself. He was able to show himself to the world, and I guess that's the reason why he didn't retire is because he wanted to show the true side of who he is. And Tom Brady is a lot more engaging than what you know the Patriots have allowed him to show for for the past twenty years, and it's amazing. I mean, when the guy is playing on a torn MCL the entire season. At 43 years old, and he was still playing at a high level, and he still led the Bucks to the Super Bowl. Well, I'll say I've said it once. I'll say it again. His social media game is as good as any as far as poking people and <laughs> making you think about things. His appearance on the match, trash talking, but very, very passive aggressive type stuff. You know about Aaron Rodgers and whether he's playing with the leader of the Packers, or at least I think he's the leader of the Packers. He had a line yesterday at the at the White House that I thought was, was pretty funny. And I, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but he was talking about how, you know, a lot of people were surprised that the Bucks won the Super Bowl, and he believed that 40% of the public still believe that they didn't win. And he turns to the president and says, you know something a little bit about that, don't you, Mr. President? Brady's he's just you know at another level and I it, it, again it makes me sick in one breath and then the next I think God he's this is just yeah that's what he should be doing that's what he should be saying and he keeps stirring the pot you know they're yes like, every week I keep hearing like he's still talking about that team that passed on him that didn't want to sign him and he's just like he's right. playing with it he hasn't gotten over it I mean it's like. Winning the Super Bowl with the Bucks wasn't enough. I mean, he's still talking about this so-called mystery team that had the chance to sign him before the Bucks did and didn't because they they were a lot more comfortable with their you know current starting quarterback. I keep wondering, like, who is this team, Lou? Who well, is for it? like for like a week or two weeks? I mean, everybody talk radio and on, on, on TV and wherever the sports is being discussed. With that was who, who is the team and trying to read between the lines. They dropped trailer or the tease for the HBO show, the LeBron's HBO show, the the shop. I, I don't know the exact name of it, but anyway, he goes on this show, you know, Maverick Carter, and they've got like all these celebrities and so forth. And I, I don't know, you know, I'm almost thinking like Tom went out of his way to try to be like one of the gang in there, and he's dropping like MF bombs and whatever, talking about this specific team and then that specific player. It was very not even ambiguous; it was just totally anonymous. You had no idea. And there was all sorts of speculation all over the place. Was it the Bears? Was it the Titans? You know, you'd have to look at a team that already had, you know, a quarterback in place, and everybody's trying to deduce it. And he made his point. That was it, just to get people talking. What is going to be his slight going into this year? What is going to motivate? Do you think it was that, that team that passed on him? I mean, what's going to motivate him to bring them back to the Super Bowl this year? What's he going to conjure up where somebody, you know, has slighted him again? He, he's living his best life. He's, this is, he's the guy now. He's all he has been, I guess, but he really is now. I'm sure he's going to try to come up with something during the season when something, when somebody says something to him, maybe an opposing head coach or maybe a, 
you know, his another player that gets in his face because, you know, he's going to sack him one or two times. Maybe it's going to be Bill Belichick when they meet up. I mean, they are going to play against each other. Yeah, so. week four, week four. I mean, I think every every NFL fan, everybody's got that date circled. These guys aren't going to hug. We know this. And, and no. These, these guys aren't going to be all right, you know, like later on down the line, even if when they retire, when they both watch. Oh, no. I th- no, no. I th- it'll just be like, while, you know, while they're playing, they'll just, you know, have some cordial, you know, hey, what's going on, whatever. And, yeah, but I think Belichick off the field, once it's all said and done, if Brady stops playing, that'll be his boy again. I, I, don't, I don't believe that. I think it's all, it's all just kind of gamesmanship now. Like you said, he played the entire season on a sprint or sparing, torn, whatever, MCL. You're not running sprint options with Brady. Uh, there's no zone reads. And, again, I don't want to be Mr. Sinek here, but I'm going to be Mr. Sinek here. He doesn't really scramble a lot. Now you have to give even more credit to that offensive line, the training staff. His own regimen, whatever you know, the TB12 method. This allow him to to play the entire season. The question that everybody else is asking, the anti Brady fan, you sit there and marvel. Yeah, 43 years old. How did he do it? Whatever. He never appeared on an injury report. What's up with that? Most of the guys don't appear on injury reports. You know this. With a torn MCL or whatever the hell he had, I'm sure the NFL is researching, investigating this. Half of the teams don't disclose. I could see see a potential loss of draft picks here, maybe some fines. You've got a precedent, you know, the whole deflate gate, other things that he was involved in with in New England. What's going to happen here, Alex? You think they're just going to give him a pass? No, I think they're going to get fined, and I think most likely they're going to lose a draft pick in in next year's draft. I don't think it's going to be a, a high draft pick, but it might be like a third or a fourth round pick. So it will be like almost like a slap on the wrist, but not really. I mean, let's be honest. Um, half of the teams in the NFL don't disclose injuries, especially to their key players. I don't know. I, I mean, something that serious. Let's the not, gambler, the gamblers, the, oh, the gamblers, the gamblers alone would could take them down. What's the whole reason for the the, the injury list? Okay, that's a different show when we talk about picking games and, you know, looking at injury reports. We talked about Brady in the match and so forth. Well, there was another quarterback in the match, and you know, we're, we are morally and legally obligated now to speak a little bit about Aaron Rodgers. I will not speak about him. You can speak about <laughs> you him. Think he, spe- he secretly just wanted to torpedo Green Bay season. If he goes back, it's just going to be awkward as hell. You know, you don't know which players are going to buy into him being back there. Is he going to play his best? If he doesn't go back, now all of a sudden you're throwing Jordan Love out to the woods, and now this season you may not have a playoff team. Everybody's trying to figure out what's there and doing whatever, but it seems like at the end of the day he's going to torpedo their season in one way, shape, or form. Last week we talked about some fantasy players, top five fantasy players. One of our, or one of mine, or ours, I can't remember which, but there was sleeper running back Cam Akers out for the season, tore his Achilles. Is it me, or does it seem like there's just been, even in the last few years, just a rash of Achilles injuries? It's brutal for the Rams. Now the pressure is on your boy, Matthew Stafford. 
to go get it done now that they don't have a running game. I mean, all the chips were on Cam Akers to to be the lead dog, to take over the role of Todd Gurley, and now I'm telling you, Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford are in even more trouble nowadays. By the way, if McVay goes and has a losing season, which is a possibility in that division, I'm just saying, like, if he has, like, a 7-10, and 8-9 season, if I was the owner of the Rams, I'd fire him. Again, you would think, based on the way the team has gone, that Les Snead might have been under a lot more fire than he's, again, outwardly is. We don't know. I mean, maybe he is. Maybe he's been given, you know, some, some pretty strict standards to meet for this season, or he's out. I don't know if Stan Kroenke has those kinds of conversations with Snead, I would think at some point they do meet and discuss what's going on with some of these kind of large investments that he's made that haven't panned out. Gurley, Goff, I'm sure there have been, been some others that uh, haven't worked out so well. Marcus Peters, there's a list. <laughs> but but there's, there's enough there that most GMs might have had that come-to-Jesus meeting at least once a week. Yeah, I think that that's certainly a possibility. But don't you think in this zone run scheme, if that's what the Rams can go back to or kind of fall back on, where Shanahan has made stars out of little-known backs, I mean, Raheem Mostert, uh, just to mention one. I mean, he's had like two or three guys that at any time. that they, It's more about the scheme than it is about the player, that maybe somebody like a Daryl Henderson can thrive in, in something like that. What do you think? Well, it's it's the next man up. And Daryl Henderson, you know, the talented running back who was drafted, what, second round a couple of years back, he's going to get the, the first dibs. But he hasn't been a consistent enough player on a daily basis. And we all know that, you know, they've had Malcolm Brown. They've had Cam Akers. They had Daryl Henderson. You know, I was looking for Cam Akers to take his game to the next level and and just become one of the better backs in in the game. We'll see if Daryl Henderson can finally realize his potential and be that player in, in year three. Somehow this became about Stafford all of a sudden. It seems like maybe, again, that little, that axe that you have to grind is getting sharper. It is because, look, I thought that with all due respect to Matthew Stafford and that passing game, I still think that Sean McVay wants to run the football because that's when he had the most success. When he had Todd Gurley, when he was healthy, they were pounding the rock. That got them to the Super Bowl. Now their lead running back goes down. You know, their star player, a guy that was supposed to break out by all accounts, and it looked like he was on his way. I have a feeling that Daryl Henderson will not be able to shoulder the load that what with what Cam Akers was supposed to do. Therefore, pressure is on that passing game, and Stafford is going to have to throw a lot more, and the pressure is on Sean McVay, and put that pressure on himself just because of all of his discussions, all of his talk about Stafford. Sean McVay is like patting himself on the back. Thank God I got him. Oh, my God, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. But what happens when they just fall flat on their faces? The the coach has got to get the axe if this goes horribly wrong. 
you would think. I mean, at, at some point, I mean, they got to say enough is enough when they, you know, they're the ones that are bringing in these players that are making these moves, that are making investments, spending Kroenke's money. Uh, now he's got plenty of it, obviously, with the you know the Taj Mahal that they built out in L.A. and it is beautiful from you know what I've seen on TV and everybody that's been there raves about it. Yeah, you would think at some point he's going to hold their feet to the fire. We we're talking about defensive players. There was another guy that uh, that name didn't come up, but then I, I noticed something. And I wanted to get your feedback on it. Was Fred Warner linebacker again? You know, one of these guys. It's a great player, but not nationally like re- really revered, if you would. But just signed a huge extension with uh, San Francisco. I think five years, ninety-five million, like forty something million uh, guaranteed, which you know, great for him. But again, as one of these potential top five defensive players that linebacker position I think maybe is might be with the morphing of the safety position with all the the emphasis on pass rush does that kind of inside or strong linebacker type does he lose his opportunity to be looked at as a top five or ten defender in the NFL I love Fred Warner what he has done over the past couple of years I mean the 49ers wouldn't be where they are right now without him. A lot of attention turned on like Nick Bosa and that defensive line, but if Fred Warner wasn't on that team, he's kind of like the Bobby Wagner for the 49ers, but would I put Bobby Wagner in the top 10? No. Would I put Levante David in the top 10 as much as I have the utmost respect for this player and what he has done? No, and I wouldn't put Fred Warner in the top 10, even though when you look at what he brings to the table, Warner is like the epitome of the all-around player. Because of the passing attacks, you need linebackers that can cover, and it doesn't get any better than Fred Warner. I mean, he's just he's almost like a safety out there playing linebacker. He moves so well. He changes direction well, and you know, he's able to deflect a lot of passes, and he, he's great in that regard. They had to give him that extension because he's still a young player, he is, you know, the X factor of that defense. But there's no way, as much as I want to, there's no way that I can put him as a top 10 defensive player in the NFL. All right, Fred, congratulations on the new contract. We are getting closer by the day. Uh, some teams will be opening camps. Some rookies and quarterbacks are reporting this week, uh, pending on the team. So check your listings and see which teams are in camp and which teams are ready to go to camp. We're just excited. So football is almost here. Uh, that's going to do it for us this week, gang. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, as always, on the way out, hmm.